Welcome to Axios Pro Rata, a podcast that takes just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. I'm Dan Max. On today's show, how police pull over self-driving cars and Elizabeth Warren versus socialism. But first, a tipping point on climate change. For decades now, the issue of climate change has been a partisan political football in the U.S., with Democrats generally raising red flags and Republicans pulling them down. But all of that may be changing, as the American voter seems to be getting closer to the sort of consensus that's already been true for years within the scientific community. And if that plays out, then maybe, just maybe, there will be enough political and popular will to begin working on meaningful solutions. So there are really two big factors at play here. First, there's been a ton of new, highly publicized scientific research published recently. Not only that massive UN climate report that we previously discussed on the show, but also from the Trump administration, with reports that tied trends in wildfires, sea level increases, and other extreme weather events to human-caused greenhouse gas emissions. Second, those extreme weather events have people pretty freaked out, particularly things like last year's California wildfires. Even if you don't live near the fire zone in California, you saw the pictures, you saw the videos, you saw the terror, you saw how suddenly the flames reached the homes and how you had never seen anything like it before. The result, again, is this growing consensus, at least about the problem. A recent Yale and George Mason survey showed that 29% of Americans are quote-unquote alarmed by such issues. That's doubled the figure from 2013, and the same survey shows a massive decline in the number of skeptics and an all-time high in the percentage of conservative Republicans who classify themselves as worried. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper with Axios Science Editor Andrew Friedman. But first, this. Axios Chief Technology Correspondent Ina Fried shares breaking news and analysis on the most consequential companies and players in tech, from the Valley to D.C. Subscribe to get smarter faster at signup.axios.com. And now, back to the Pro Rata Podcast. We're joined now by Axios Science Editor Andrew Friedman. And Andrew, I talked in the open a bit how there's this growing consensus, including even among some portions of kind of the conservative Republican base. But this is still an issue being driven in the U.S. politically by the left, correct? Yeah. I mean, the dynamics within the Democratic Party are really interesting right now in the sense that if you were to compare the climate proposals under Barack Obama to the proposals that are being put forward today. Uh, Obama looks like a right-wing conservative. And when you say the things being put forward today, one of those is you know this Green New Deal. And, and it's interesting because Republicans have kind of seized on that. And, and maybe it's because it's Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez who's championing it. But they've kind of seized on that to fight against it. Does that, you know, this idea of this climate change tipping point, does, does the Green New Deal almost work against it because Republicans get automatically defensive? The rollout of the Green New Deal uh, was not exactly smooth with no. the publication of a fact sheet that had rather unorthodox ideas that were not in the actual resolution. But the inspiration for it is these new scientific reports over the past year and a half, as well as science and humanities research that shows that a whole host of other issues 
are linked with climate change. Let me ask you what you'll often hear on the right for, for folks who are still either skeptics or, or kind of argue against, uh, if not the Green New Deal specifically, some of the general concepts of it, is that the, the folks on the left are being alarmist. In fact, that Yale and George Mason study used the word alarmed. Talk to me a little bit about this. Are we, you know, you will hear from certain people if we don't start doing something or making major, fairly radical and, and significant changes almost imminently, the planet is going to stop being inhabitable in, in 10 or 20 years. Is that legitimate concern? No. Um, the science really shows that the sooner we act, the better, that the window for avoiding uh, very severe impacts is rapidly closing. Uh, we have about 10 to 20 years, depending on uh, which study you go with, to make significant strides in cutting greenhouse gas emissions. But it's not really a choice between an un uninhabitable planet and what we have now. Basically, at any time, we can choose to act on this problem. It's just what kind of world do we want to live in? You say in? at any time. I mean, if we don't act in the next hundred years, the world the way we view it. I mean, you know, you and I are, or at least I'm sitting in a coastal city. The world would look physically very different, right? A map of the globe would look very different. Extraordinarily different. If you were emperor of the world, give me give me two things that you would institute, either legally or otherwise. I would probably immediately institute some sort of policy that would basically just cut greenhouse gas emissions significantly in line with what the IPCC has said and go after the Herculean task of reducing emissions by about 45 percent uh, by 2030. That's a ridiculously tall order. Um, and the, the mix of policies that would be necessary, everything from, you know, putting a price on carbon to putting incentives in for electric cars, all sorts of things, um, is something I would do. On the other hand, I would also uh, significantly reorient our global aid programs to make sure that poor countries, which are going to be hit by climate change the hardest and already are, um, that they are uh, somehow better able to withstand things. Um, and really shore up our own infrastructure so that we are able to um, face what, what is already going to come from the climate change that's in the pipeline uh, through 2050 and 2100. So do you believe in the U.S. we are getting to the point that the population, the voting population, has gotten to the point where it will actually demand those things? If you look at the polling now, I, I do believe that there is a majority uh, in the numbers uh, that supports the fact that climate change is real and that actions should be taken. The divide is really over what actions are we looking at and how serious is this threat. But the big change in the past two years is that more and more people see this as a threat to them and something that is harming people now. And that did not happen before. And I do believe that that changes the support for policies significantly. Andrew Friedman, science editor from Axios, thanks so much for joining us. My final two, right after this. Axios gives you the news and analysis you need to get smarter faster on the most important topics. In our unique smart brevity format, we cover topics from politics to science and media to tech. Subscribe to get smarter faster at signup.axios.com. And now, back to the ProRata podcast. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is a fascinating Bloomberg story about how police recently pulled over a Tesla that was driving on autopilot on a Northern California highway. So three things to know. First, the human driver was asleep. Two, 
cops have no way to tell autopilot to pull over. So they improvised by stopping all of the traffic behind the car and then having a single cruiser pull in front of the car and slow down so the both cars stopped. Third, the driver was drunk and charged with operating under the influence, which is kind of fascinating given that he used autopilot for the very purpose of not putting others at risk. Now, why it ultimately matters is that these sorts of relatively unusual situations have caused self-driving technology to move slower than previously expected, as automakers must come up with solutions that go well beyond just crash avoidance and lane turns. Finally, we talked on Tuesday's show about how Republicans seek to frame the 2020 race as a choice between, quote, freedom and social. But Democratic hopeful Elizabeth Warren is seeking to get out in front of it. She has long been a thorn in the side of Wall Street and big corporate CEOs, but she recently explained to Pod Save America that she identifies as a Democratic capitalist rather than as a Democratic socialist. The difference, she argues, is that she sees the value of markets so long as those markets have rules that prevent what she calls theft. So we will see how that debate plays out and what Bernie Sanders has to say about it beginning this June when Democrats begin debating each other in Iowa. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Adam Grassi and Tim Shovers, have a great national sticky bun day. And we'll be back on Monday with another Pro Rata podcast.